Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You know what it is? Episode 88 for the love of the game. Let's go. Uh-huh. Coming up, I was confused. My mommy kissing a girl. Confusion and curse coming up in the cold world. Daddy ain't around, probably out committing felonies. My favorite rapper used to sing, check, check out my melody. I want to live good. So shit, I sell dope for a full finger ring. One of them go ropes. Nana told me if I pass, I get a sheepskin coat. I can move a few packs, I get the hat. Now that'd be dope. Tossed and turned in my sleep that night. Woke up the next morning, stole my bike. Different day, same shit. Nothing good in the hood. I run away from this bitch and never come back if I could. Made it a love it, the underdogs on top. And I'm gon' shine, homie, until my heart stop. Go ahead, envy me. I'm Raps MVP. And I ain't going nowhere, so you can get to know me. Made it a love it, the underdogs on top. And I'm gon' shine, homie, until my heart stop. Go ahead, envy me. I'm Raps MVP. And I ain't going All right. nowhere. Episode 88 for the love again. Back at it. Hope everybody had a great Labor Day weekend, post-Labor Day weekend. It's always a little bittersweet for yours truly. I love summer. I love everything about it. The weather, the vibes, people are happier. They look better. Everything about summer is awesome. Even this summer, which was definitely a little different and a little weird due to the whole coronavirus thing, which is still a major bitch, by the way. But yeah, I'm a little bummed out today. Uh, But there's a lot of excitement, a lot happening, especially in the world of sports. A lot of good stuff coming up. So naturally, we got to talk about it. Well, a part of that good stuff right now is definitely not the New York Yankees. The Yankees are right now not a part of anything that is associated with good. They flat out stink at the moment. They have lost 15 of their last 18. They can't do anything right. I don't know what the hell is happening because it's not just about the injuries at this point. The offense isn't clicking when the pitchers pitch well, when the offense scores tons of runs, the pitchers implode, and the bullpen implodes. The whole thing's a disaster. All I know is this needs to reverse itself right now because there's not a lot of time left. This Yankees team right now, the way they're playing, is straight up unacceptable. Unacceptable. It's a flat-out travesty what's going on in Yankee land at the moment. So Novak Djokovic uh, onto the U.S. Open. Novak Djokovic got disqualified from the U.S. Open from hitting a back's linesman with a tennis ball out of frustration. I mean, the clip was just ridiculous. Novak is a lightning rod in the tennis community, and stuff like this isn't helping his cause to become a little bit more likable. So, yeah, the men's draw is absolutely wide open at the moment. Absolutely wide open. But there's a lot of good young talent in the draw, so there's still some interesting tennis to watch. Uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see who wins it. It'll probably be a first-time winner, so uh, shout-out to them. Now on to the NBA. A couple of things to discuss before getting into tonight's main topic, the NFL. So let's dive right in because a lot has happened since the last episode. Let me just get out in front of this one, my Milwaukee Bucks. Not good. Not good. Uh, The team I've been saying all year will win the title. Lost to the Miami Heat four games to one. Giannis had a bad ankle. uh, Didn't play most of game four, which is actually the one game the Milwaukee won. He was out for game five, and Miami uh, takes the series four games to one. Not good for my Milwaukee Bucks. Now, there's lots to talk about here, given the fact that Giannis is a free agent, not this summer, but next summer, and has not yet signed an extension. So a couple of things, because honestly... This can really be its own podcast, but but I, I'd rather just a uh, couple of bullet points. Uh, so Coach Budenholzer in the regular season, awesome. Coach Budenholzer in the playoffs, 
definitely not as awesome. And obviously, there's a bunch of different factors for that. You're playing better teams every single night. Team has a series to prepare. To uh, uh, each team has a whole series to prepare and game plan. I get as a coach, you gotta trust the stuff that quote unquote got you there, but only to a point. I mean, Coach Bud has to be quicker in making adjustments. Has to be quicker. I mean, before Giannis got hurt, Giannis wasn't playing 40 minutes a game in the playoffs. Considering all the built-in breaks for reviews at the end of the game, which, by the way, are taking way too long and it's ruining the product, uh, and the fact that he didn't play 30 minutes a game all season, played just under 30 minutes a night for the entire season, he has been plenty rested, and there's no excuse, pre-injury, of course, there's absolutely no excuse for him not to have been playing 40-plus minutes a game in the playoffs. I mean, look at Nick Nurse and what he did with the Toronto Raptors. Kyle Lowry, who's an older guy, by the way, playing 43, 44 minutes. Fred Van Vliet, upwards around the same, 43, 44 minutes. And Giannis is the best athlete in the league. He needs to be playing 40-plus minutes in a playoff game, in tight playoff games. I, I understand not against the Orlando Magic because... And Milwaukee didn't really have their way with the Orlando Magic the way we thought they were going to, but they still won most games by 15 points. Giannis, in close playoff games, needs to be playing 40 minutes a night, and that goes for the most of their starters. I, I just don't get it. I, I, I don't understand his why his rotations aren't shorter. I mean, Pat Connaughton, why was he playing so much when they were fully healthy? I mean, why so much Dante DiVincenzo? I know he started tonight, and I like Dante DiVincenzo, but... With a full healthy team in the playoffs against a really good team in the Miami Heat, like I, I just don't understand it. And a lot of it's been made about the Bucks' offense. Their per and you know it, it's kind of a false narrative because their offense was pretty good for the most part uh, up until today. We're not counting today's game, but their per 100 possessions was championship level, just like it was last year when they almost made the finals. And even though Giannis hadn't really played well in the Miami series. What the problem was, was the defense. The defense was absolutely dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. I mean, Ryan Russell shared the numbers. And again, uh, they're a little outdated because it doesn't take into account today's game. But the Bucks basically dropped from the best defense in the league to bottom third in the league right now. I mean, no bueno. That's not good. Not good at all. And a lot of people are pointing fingers at Giannis for not guarding Jimmy Butler, or as one friend of mine and recurring guest, Molly Fine, shout out to him, said he can't lock up Jay Crowder. And to that, I have a couple of responses because Molly, like so many others like him, are just flat out wrong. So let me just address that first. Giannis isn't going to guard Jimmy Butler all game because the Bucs don't want him in foul trouble for a couple of possessions more than what he was doing before he was healthy, sure, I would have liked to see that too. But come on, guys, be smart in that. And for not locking up Jay Crowder, the Bucks believe Giannis, who's the best help defender in the league, uh, should be helping off of Crowder. They are willing to concede Crowder three-point attempts. You know, the defense can't stop everything. There are certain things you have to be have to live with in terms of the other team's shot attempts, and they were willing to live with Crowder making threes, and to Crowder's credit, he was making them. You know, you can't take everything away. So that's really not on Giannis per se. I mean, that's that's just the philosophy, and it's not a wrong philosophy either. But where the Bucks hadn't made enough adjustments was how they play pick-and-roll defense in terms of the drop with Burke Lopez 
and they're, you know, they're, and they hadn't been super disciplined in their perimeter rotations rolling out the shooters. And Coach Bud has to be quicker to adjust there. But yeah, the Bucks are in trouble. And it's clear that something needs to change because they're on the clock with Giannis. It's also super clear that the Bucks need a secondary ball handler and playmaker, somebody who can do that stuff and shoot the three. And they let that exact player go in Malcolm Brogdon, who was basically an all-star this year. The Bucks really missed Brogdon in these playoffs. And it'll be very interesting to see what happens with Giannis and the Bucks going forward. But Giannis... And Giannis now has entered the point of his career where he's going to take a lot of crap from the media and uneducated fans uh, across the NBA, and especially Laker fans, because they're in the front of the line here because they're all butthurt that LeBron won't win the MVP this season because Giannis was significantly better than LeBron in the regular season, and the MVP is a regular season award. Uh, so the pro arguments... Uh, for LeBron James to win the MVP have completely distorted their brains. And as always, Laker fans are the absolute worst. But anyway, I digress. So yeah, Giannis is going to get the LeBron James to 2008 to 2010 treatment and the same treatment that Shaquille O'Neal got in the mid to late 90s. That's what's happening to Giannis now. So we'll see how the narrative evolves. But yeah, really tough look for my Milwaukee Bucks. I'm, I'm very disappointed in them. Now it's time to give Miami Heat their props. This team is tough as nails. They have the proverbial dog in them, led by Jimmy Butler, who I've always liked and always had a soft spot for. Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, Goran Dragic, Jay Crowder, Andre Gadala. I mean, these guys are all scrappers. They're fighters. Kudos to Eric Spolcher for instilling the heat culture, which is definitely a thing, by the way, into these guys. And to Pat Riley, the mastermind. The Don of pro basketball, still the coolest guy in the room and yet the toughest guy in the room. The names I just rattled off, all those guys I just listed above, none of them were top 10 draft picks. A couple of them were undrafted. I mean, I should say Duncan Robinson, undrafted. Uh, his ability to identify talent is absolutely remarkable. He's arguably the best mover and shaker in NBA history. And it's crazy that I love this Heat team. I love Jimmy Butler. I love Bam Adebayo. I love Tyler Hero. Everything about that guy, the swagger, the moxie. I love it all. Duncan Robinson. I love their Miami Vice jerseys. They're the best jerseys in the entire NBA. So there's, yeah, so much to love about this Miami team. And this is coming from me as a Knicks fan who's been conditioned to hate the Miami Heat. My childhood taught me to hate the Miami Heat because of the Knicks heat battles in the late 90s, 2000s era. So I am super conflicted right now in terms of uh, how much I like this Miami Heat team. And the worst part about it is I see the heat culture, I see the success that they've had, and I can't help to think that this should have been happening in New York all along. Pat Riley never should have been allowed to walk out of New York in 1995. Dave Checkets should have given Pat Riley Hart brought Blanche with the franchise, just as the Miami Heat did. And then he would have never faxed in his resignation to the Knicks, and this all could have been done in New York. So fuck you, Dave Checkets, for not doing that. Another reminder that being a Knicks fan is the worst experience in pro sports fandom. And to reiterate, I said that the winner of this Heat's Bucks series is going to win the title, and I'm sticking with it. So I guess Miami Heat are going to be 
your 2020 NBA champions. I guess you heard it here first. One quick thing on the on the Rockets Lakers series, tied at one with going into Game Three, which is tipping off just about now. As you all know, I hate everything about the Rockets. I loathe James Harden. I can't stand Daryl Morey and his bitching on Twitter about the referees and anything in any slight. But I'm a, a Rockets fan this round because as much as I hate the Rockets, I hate Laker fans. I hate Laker exceptionalism. I hate really stupid Laker fans. Uh, and I hate LeBron James. And LeBron James fanboys are the worst sect of sports fans in the country, period. So, yeah. I need Russell Westbrook to play like he did in game one and not like he did in game two. The fact that I'm actually rooting for a James Harden-led team is wild. But, yeah, 2020 has been a weird year, to say the least. So, yeah, here we are. And this after I was rooting so hard for the Oklahoma City Thunder in their first-round matchup against uh, Houston in game seven. Lou Dort, my guy, was having an out-of-body experience on offense. I mean, for a guy who couldn't shoot to have 30 points in a game seven. Like, what was happening there? Chris Ball was doing Chris Ball stuff. And then SGA made a huge three in the corner late in the game after being terrible all game. I thought it was going to happen. I thought Oklahoma City was going to win in seven. I picked Oklahoma City to win in seven. Harden was absolutely garbage on offense. Westbrook carried them most of the second half. And then uh, Harden's great block on Lou Dort's late game three attempt, which would have been poetic justice if Lou Dort makes that three to win it. But here we are. Harden uh, saves the day on defense. So right now, I'm pulling for Rockets in seven. Let's go Houston. One quick Chris Paul take. I said it all year how much I loved watching Chris Paul this year after hating on him for the last five years. There's a great chance Oklahoma City trades him because of his contract, because of their cap sheet, and they're not going to want to pay the luxury tax for this team. And their timeline for the future with all their first-round picks and uh, a cornerstone in um, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him this offseason. Uh, Philly should want him, even though they probably don't have a good trade for them and they don't have the assets. Milwaukee should want to pair him with Giannis. That's the most logical thing. You do whatever you have to do if you're Milwaukee to pair him with Giannis. And you know what? If the Knicks trade for Chris Paul because he's a Leon Rose guy, even in his age, I'm for it because he's a damn pro. And I'm tired as a Knicks fan of not watching professionals play basketball. I'd like to watch some pros. And maybe he will attract a second guy to come with him. Who knows? If he asked me this six months ago, given Chris Paul's age and his contract, I would have said, no way in hell. Now, if I'm the Knicks, I'm for it. I'm for Chris Paul. But, yeah, we'll see what happens with him in the offseason. We'll see what happens uh, in tonight's uh, Lakers-Rockets game. I'm super excited to watch that. And with that said, it's time to talk some NFL. I haven't really done a whole lot of research on the NFL like I normally would. But no time like the present with the season kicking off Thursday night. So let's bring back a recurring guest to talk about it in just a moment. Okay, so. I teased it before, bringing back a recurring guest, a very popular recurring guest, somebody I actually haven't spoken to in a while on this excellent program that I host. It's NFL season. I know it really snuck up on me, but we got to talk about it. So I had to bring him back, uh, Mr. Shy Elberger. Shy, what's good, man? What's up? NFL is starting? News to me. It is shocking. I legit 
have done next to no research, or at least uh, I'm very ill-prepared as I would normally be. I had a fantasy draft last week. I had no idea what was happening. And yeah, but it's uh, it's starting Thursday night, and uh, we definitely have to talk about it. So your sentiment is totally understandable, and you're certainly not the first person who has uh, said such a thing. Um, we had our fantasy draft last week, and every year there's always those you know one or two guys who are like, oh, I haven't done any research, I don't know anything. Um, but literally, like the draft was starting, and like everyone in the everyone in the league was like, I legit haven't looked at anything, uh, haven't read anything, and. I mean, it's obvious for me also, like I'm a huge football fan, so I'm excited, but I definitely have the feeling of like, this is just starting right out of the gate uh, for obvious reasons that there's no preseason. So usually, you know, we get our appetites wet in August. There's some preseason games. Now I'm into it. I'm watching all the Giants uh, fourth quarter preseason and around the league DFS preseason. Like it's sick, but with no preseason, you have it. You, you have it. Literally, illness. oh yeah. Uh, when I'm saying it's sick, I meant from an illness standpoint, not it's amazing. <laughs> um, but no preseason, so we're literally just like starting week one, real games. I, I don't think we've had a sport really. I was thinking about it that's ever started without some sort of preseason. Even I feel like and, baseball this year had had those yeah. games down in uh, Florida. Yeah, and and not only that, I mean, you know, the NBA season due to the whole COVID situation is basically, you know, in the midst of their playoffs. So I've been monitoring that. I've been monitoring the Yankees be absolutely dreadful for the last, who knows how long, 17 games now. I mean, they stink. But normally, like, this is like the dog days of baseball season and and preseason football kind of takes us into the NFL season. But especially with the NBA season and NHL season right now, like, but more, mostly NBA season for me, I just, I really have not, you know, been, been up to date on, on anything in terms of storylines or whatever, but I tried to read up a little bit, but I guess that, that brings us into our first point. Like, are you as excited for this season as you have been in the past? I mean, we, we just spoke about how, you know, we've both done next to no research. You're even a bigger football fan than I am. But, like, are we as excited as normal? Or I should say, are you as excited as normal? So I will say just first, the point you just made was was really good. The other part of the that kind of snuck up on all of us is that with basketball playoffs going on, which has never happened, obviously, when football starting, that has totally taken our sports attention in another direction. Normally, as you said, it would just be the middle of baseball season, you know, games every day. No one really cares. But um, the basketball and hockey part, personally, I have no idea who's still playing hockey. But, yes, I, those would definitely be reasons why. Ta- Tampa, um, exci- for, just for your knowledge, uh, Tampa Bay and the Islanders played last night. It didn't go well for the Islanders. Oh, wow. Islanders still on it. Good for that. Um, <laughs> am I as excited? I am as excited. Um, and I think it's going to take maybe watching Thursday night and then Sunday. Because, again – it's like your excitement levels at whatever it, it, the steady state is during the off season. And then training camp starts and preseason starts and you get those buildup of a few games. And by week one, you're at a hundred excitement levels. It's, I'm, it's gonna, I think I need to watch some real football to, to get to that level. Um, currently it's, 
in the same boat as like sneaking up to us. I feel like I haven't had that ramp up level of like getting my juices flowing and watching preseason games. Um, and then there's also like constantly in the back of your head is like understanding that it's going to be so different this year than any other year with just the no, like no fans or whatever, a thousand fans in some places. Um, so I'm, I'm nervous about what that is going to look like, how much that takes away. I think basketball, you know, it, it, you notice it, um, but it's maybe not as big of a deal as you thought because of the fake crowd noise and the virtual fans are funny. Um, but I also think if you ever now, like after watching one of these games on TV, go to YouTube and like watch an old clip, old clip from like last year of like some cool moment and you realize again how loud and exciting fans get in stadiums, you realize maybe that you are missing it. Um, so football, like I, I am excited. I'm very excited. You know, I'm, I'm optimistic always pre-week one. I think it's just without this preseason time frame, I, I'm going to need like who it might even be a drive in Thursday night's game. I'm going to be like, all right, football's back. Um, but maybe just like Sunday settling in for red zone and, and seeing all the games that, that might do it for me seeing, you know, following fantasy. So I, I mean, for me personally, as you know, I'm a summertime guy. I love being outdoors. I'm a, I'm a beach bum at heart. Like I'm a born again, Californian or Floridian. So for me, the start of NFL season marks the end of summer and I just naturally get sad. Right. That's just that happens every year. Yeah. It takes me like two to three weeks to even like really watch religiously on Sundays, you know, on a normal year. Um, now I just I'm so and we'll talk about this in a second, but I, I just I don't know. With I, I'm a basketball guy first and foremost. So uh, my focus is on the NBA playoffs. And I just I really didn't next to no research uh, for the, for my fantasy draft. And it's going to be interesting to see what Thursday night brings in terms of how quickly, you know, I, I, I feel that that rush, because even though I lament about the fact that the, you know, the level of play in the NFL has, has sucked the last couple of years for the most part, but I still, you know, I'm, I'm a sheep. I get sucked back in like everybody else. But that, I guess that brings me to my first question, like on a scale of one to 10, how, nervous are you for for a viewing experience of the level of play without the preseason because I mean this was coming with the NFL for a while in terms of uh cutting back preseason games uh I think they really wanted to make it just two um now it's going to be zero lack of lack of practice and full pads lack of scrimmaging against anyone else I mean I'm nervous that it's going to be an absolute crap show for the first four or five weeks. So what, what say you? I think, you know, a lot of teams, a lot of, I should say a lot of star players don't play any preseason and the starters that do play, you know, play maybe a quarter, obviously varies team to team. I think every, or, or, you know, recent memory, the first few weeks of the season are always sloppier than as the season goes on, whether that's poor tackling uh, turnovers, miscommunications. I, I think we are, as you said, like heading toward that way anyway, where, you know, we're going to starting next year. It's funny, all this talk about eliminating preseason and like they finally agreed on two preseason games and this year there were none anyway. Um, I, I think we're in store for some sloppy play in the beginning of the season. Absolutely. I don't know how much different it'll be than prior seasons that I think have been sloppy. Um, and I guess we'll see, obviously, if there's, you know, just 
the tackling is terrible and, and, and miscommunications quarterback receiver, like an exorbitant amount, then yeah, we could probably attribute that to no preseason. Um, but I think it's been trending that way anyway, recently. So I'm not sure how much worse it's going to be. So it sounds like in the tone of your voice that um, you think that the defense is going to struggle more than the offense initially um, in terms of uh, level of performance. Yeah, I I don't know. I think games, uh, playing in the preseason games and who they benefit more, I think it's the physical aspect. Um, You know, you could tackle uh, blocking gummies or tackling gummies or, you know, and on the giant scrimmages, um, and around the league, they're doing like light tackling or like grabbing because you obviously don't want to injure anyone. Now, they also did have live tackling in some practices, um, but it's still in a controlled environment. There's not usually, you know, the running back lowering his head, you know, trying to demolish you. So I, I do think the the tackling aspect and the physical nature, maybe that more apply to offensive line also, um, is what suffers from the lack of preseason. So, uh, I mean, obviously this, you know, COVID-19 still kind of looms large uh, and it's still that, you know, kind of gray cloud that, that clouds everything now. Um, I mean, how do you see the season playing out in terms of the, uh, the COVID situation? I mean, as of now, it's, it's about as good a situation as it could be. Uh, I... I, my intuition says that once teams start playing each other and there's teams and there's players from different cities, you know, congregating on a field that we will see an uptick just logically. Um, I think I was definitely nervous as of like a couple months ago that we were going to get to this point and there would be a ton of players already out for COVID. And I think currently there's like maybe a few players in the whole NFL scrub players that are on the COVID list. So I'm, there I'm was, obviously well, optimistic. Hold on one second. There was yeah. also that round of testing that the results just came back. I think it said like right. there's only one new player that tested positive. Right. Right. Um, so like, right. As right now, as good as it could have been. Now you can definitely argue that with training camp happening over the last few weeks, while there's no bubble for the NFL, the players' days are pretty much scheduled, um, and most of that time is spent in the facilities, which are have obviously been, you know, reorganized and COVID-approved to try to limit the the spread of anything. So, again, it's like for the last few weeks they've been basically from 8 a.m. to you know 5 p.m. in the facility, and you know you got to go home. Obviously, be responsible. Don't put yourself at any risk by going anywhere or, or doing anything like that. Um, but now that the regular season is starting, you know, there's practice maybe a few hours a day and you're really on your own a lot more. And that combined with the players now on different teams playing each other on the same field, there's definitely an increased risk. Um, and I'm not, I've not, you know, shut that out of, uh, definite potential outcomes of the season. I'm optimistic at this point because I really think the NFL with do anything to not have to cancel games that we will be able to finish the season. Um, I just, I wonder if there's going to be any star players that miss games or crucial games because of it. Are you surprised that the NFL didn't try and do some type of uh, bubble type situation? No, 
No, I, I, it, it would be impossible. I, I can't even Agreed. think of a way that would possibly happen. Even just forget about, you know, you need multiple football fields, which is bigger than a, a court. You know, NBA teams have like 13 players and like 10 staff. NFL is, you know, 50 players, 15 practice squad and 40 staff times 32 teams. You would need like, you need a, an entire state to be a bubble. Or you would, or you would need like four different cities, and then yeah, you would have abandon the and whole, then, and then and then you'd have division. private travel, the whole thing. But yeah, no, I was, yeah. I, I never thought that. Like, <clears throat> I, I saw an article written in Forbes about it. I was like, there's no way this is going to happen. Just like there was no way that baseball was going to happen. It's just, it's just not possible. And I think I, and I think I heard that Kansas City is going to have like 25 percent fans yeah they uh it's i kind of i guess we'll see how how much those amounts of fans matter i don't love it from a competitive standpoint uh of some some home teams not having any fans and some teams having ten thousand fans now i guess we'll see what ten thousand fans at a football game really sounds like i don't think it's enough to you know force any false start penalties but still it's weird that it's just weird that, you know, some teams are allowed some and some aren't. I, I think there's a a, um, a decent chance that by the end of the season, the Jets and Giants are hosting some amount of fans. That, that's, I think that's possible. I, I would agree. I mean, it, it really depends on what's going to go on with the distribution of this possible vaccine in, uh, in November and December. I mean... We'll, we'll see. There's a lot of stuff up in the air, but I never thought that the bubble thing was really going to happen in the NFL. I didn't think it was feasible. And I just and kind of like how the NBA did it with with their TV deal um, is that they had like flex game flex days or, or flex amount of time just in case that they needed to push something back. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL kind of negotiated that with the TV networks and, like, if they had to extend the, the season and the postseason. Um, like, if the Super Bowl was played the first weekend in March, would you be surprised? I wouldn't be surprised. No, no. And I thought that maybe a couple months ago, I thought that that was possible. I, I know there was a lot of talk about how they uh, put out the schedule with built-in backup plans uh, of even being able to start with week five and then just adding those first four weeks out to the end of the season, uh, which, and the joke was that the giants finally don't open up with Dallas this year, but if they actually did do that, the giants played Dallas week five. And so they would open up, but I, I think it's, I could see even um, a scenario where maybe the playoffs are done in some sort of bubble. Cause there you're, you're only down to 14 teams or maybe uh, something like that. Um, but yeah, I could see, it's hard to, you know what I can't see though, is like 16 or 17 weeks happening. And then for some reason, the Super Bowl has to be pushed back. Like what would have to happen four months from now? That would, that, that would be worse than what has already happened. And that would be hard to see. And if that happens, then we're probably in pretty bad shape as a country. Yeah. Uh, I, I would, I would agree with that sentiment, but I think the NFL, each team, is you know there are some people that are so pessimistic. It's just like the NFL is going to push forward because there's so much money at, at stake. Like each team is going to play 16 games, like and and they're going to be full playoffs. And if they have to push it back in into March, they will. Like the idea that that 
this season was just going to stop or, you know, in the middle and not finish out, uh, to me, there's like a 99.9% chance that that will not happen, that the season's going to go on like normal. Um, the interesting thing about the fans is in terms of the collective bargaining agreement, because some teams, because it, it's due to, you know, it's based on the state, right? So if some teams, right. by the law of the state, can't have as many fans, like what do you do with the revenue sharing? Like what do they do? It, I, I don't know what, what the CBA looks like in that respect. But, yeah, I think we're going to get a full season no matter what. Uh, and I don't think it's going to – it warrants an asterisk either because uh, I think it, it – you. It's the cards everybody's dealt, so. Yeah, no, no asterisk. I, if you're telling me that, you know, the NFL ends up being 10 games and then there's, even that, I wouldn't even need more than that. If the NFL ends up being some abridged version. Right. Uh, then, yes, obviously there's an asterisk. Um, having, if the NFL plays 16 games and the playoffs happen and the Super Bowl happens, what's the asterisk for? That there was no preseason? That, that's no asterisk. Yeah, it's um, it, it's going to be weird, but I, I, I do think it's going to basically look a lot similar than what we've noticed before. Um, yeah, the, the crowd noise will be a little bit different, but it is what it is. I mean, I, I don't think that helps my or I should say enhances my viewing of, uh, you know, of an NFL game. I just want to see the the players play on the on the field. That's pretty much it. Uh, I guess we'll move on to uh, we'll get our favorite team out of the way first, and then look at the league as a whole. Uh, the Giants. Uh, how are you currently feeling about our New York Football Giants? Do you have any optimism? Well, it's week one hasn't happened yet, so of course I have optimism. I was thinking about listening to my preview from last year and seeing where my mindset was at that point because I really could, I don't remember. I know I was frustrated with with Eli and. We talked Daniel Jones, but I don't remember if I was optimistic or I just, I, I guess I was actually pretty pissed off about the Beckham trade still. So I was probably not in a great spot. Um, I'm, I'm, what am I optimistic for? Do I actually think they're going to make the playoffs? I don't. Um, I think a big difference with the NFL this year that is just totally getting swept under the rug, I feel like, is that the NFL expanded playoff teams to seven per conference instead of six, which I just feel like is a big change. So am I optimistic that the Giants are playing games in November where they don't have uh, a little icon next to their team for eliminated? I'm optimistic that is possible. Um, And I hope that would be my hope that I might be stretching it by saying Thanksgiving, but given the seven playoff teams, I would like to think that by Thanksgiving, they are somehow, you know, in that tier that, that Fox will show on TV still in the hunt. And they're like, I don't know, five and seven or like something like that, where they could theoretically get to eight and eight still and be a playoff team. That's what I'm optimistic for. I think that's possible. I, I don't think they're going to win the division or, or anything like that. You really, really didn't set the bar very high. And by the way, it's funny no. you mentioned, it's funny you mentioned the, uh, the seventh uh, playoff team because up until today, I didn't realize that that was happening this year whatsoever. Whatsoever. And yeah. I didn't even take it into into the equation in terms of, like, my preparation for this. I had to scramble. I was like, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah, I don't even, I don't even remember if it, that was decided before COVID. Uh, I guess it must have been. But, like, obviously with COVID and, like, the season potentially getting canceled and everything else going on, that, like, little tidbit has totally gotten – uh, no play at all. 
Um, but it is something to remember, obviously. I think definitely and obviously raises the chances of an 8-8 eight and eight team making the playoffs. So that means that, you know, there's more time until you're eliminated. Uh, listen, how high can I set the bar? They literally lead the NFL in losses over the last three seasons. So the bar, based on actual performance, is set to the worst team in the league. I'm optimistic they will be closer to the middle of the league than the bottom. And, and if it's more than that, I'll be thrilled. So there's reason to be optimistic about the offensive side of the ball. Um, they have arguably, or I would say, the best running back in the league. Uh, Daniel Jones showed a tremendous amount of promise uh, in, in year one. Uh, fumbling be damned. we got to clean that up. But otherwise, in terms of throwing the football and making good decisions, you know, moving with his legs, I, we like what we've seen. Um, Evan Ingram, I'm not the biggest fan, but I'm turning around. Uh, I'm coming around a little bit. They have a decent crop of wide receivers. But the defense last year was the problem. The defense was dreadful. Um, we signed Logan Ryan. We uh, we made a couple of moves. We signed Blake Martinez. Uh, where are you at with the defense? Is it going to be as dreadful? Whew. Um, listen, I'll say the offense will, will be better than the defense. Um, the secondary is really worrisome and specifically the second cornerback spot, which I mean, everyone else, every other position you could say, you know, this guy is not a pro bowler or uh, he hasn't proven himself to be a pro bowler, but he's a young guy who's either been solid or has the potential and expectation to turn into a solid starter. And you just have to hope that those players reach their potential. So someone like that is like O'Shane Zimenez, Lorenzo Carter, linebackers years two and three. Have they been solid? No, but they have been, they're not currently boss and they have the potential and expectation. Uh, Jabril Peppers has been solid and I hope he takes it to another level, but at least I know he's not horrible. The second cornerback spot currently as it stands today uh, is supposed to be Corey Ballantyne who was a six-round pick last year from I'm blanking what uh, like Division II school he went to. Um, he People may remember him more so because he actually got shot on draft night when he was shot in the butt, I think, and luckily survived um, and was fine. Um, but on the football field, he actually had a pretty rough rookie season, was not great uh, coming from a, a Division II school, like a rookie cornerback, not easy. But by all accounts, he also hasn't been good in camp. And with DeAndre Baker's uh, legal situation, I don't know if you read that article that came out today detailing the, uh, those nights, but it was pretty nuts. It was like based on police reports. And, I mean, they uh, caught him. I, I didn't read the article today, but they, they, I know they caught the him. The article, yeah. They caught him today, which was inevitable. But like the Daily News basically had a long article like with a timeline of events and specific events. And it's just like an unbelievable just situation. Um, so he obviously is not on the team. Then the guy who would have backed him up, Sam Beal, he opted out for COVID. So he also, he was a third round pick in the supplemental draft a few years ago. And he's, and he's, I can uh, put in bust territory at this point um, due to injury and now opting out, not his fault or anything. He just, by next year, he will have played like four games in three years. So they really don't have a second cornerback opposite James Bradbury. Um, and that, you know, in the NFL, you kind of need 
three cornerbacks. I will say uh, the slot cornerback, Darnay Holmes, rookie, has looked really good um, in camp, and I'm not worried about him, actually. Uh, He has a lot of potential. But the number two cornerback, um, it's basically nobody right now. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if they signed someone off waivers uh, in the next week to start. Uh, well, so hold, that, on, that really hold on one me. second. If they signed Logan Ryan, wouldn't you think that he would yes. start well, opposite signed, Bradbury? I, I don't think so. I think he, um, for a few reasons, he, I, I, I did not watch every Titans game last year. But from what I've read and understand, his best position these days may very well be safety. Um, and I think even when he did play cornerback recently, he was more of a slot cornerback than outside. He, he's not a fast player, you know, compared to other players. Um, and I think one of his better attributes, and I think the way the Giants will use him, because in Judge, I trust, will be more of, as Logan Ryan said in one of his press conferences, his position is defensive player. And I think some plays he'll be back safety, and some plays he might be cornerback, and some plays he'll be nickel corner and blitzing. And I think he's going to be used all over the field. Uh, and a three safety looks a lot. I, I don't think he is suited for just a, a straight out number two corner. Now you might tell me that they're going to use a lot of weird uh, uh, defensive alignments where it's you know one cornerback, three safeties, and you know four linebackers or something like that. And maybe uh, you know they might have to do what they have to do. But overall, the defense, I don't think it's going to be as bad as last year. I think a few players who haven't yet proven themselves. I mean, they have a real opportunity with playing time to do so. And I think the potential is there for them to be an average defense. Uh, Again, kind of like the team overall, I'm not going to say they're going to be a top 10 defense. I think the potential is there for them to be average. And and the floor, unfortunately, is for them to be very bad. Well, I mean, uh, you can have the best players in the secondary all you want, but we both know that, and any football fan knows, that the secondary's uh, effectiveness is predicated on the pass rush. Last year they had next to nothing. Um, What are we thinking this year in terms of pass rush? And were you disappointed that they didn't make a bigger play for Jadavion Clowney, even though he only had three sacks last year? So I'll start with the second question, and the answer is no. I think for a few reasons that, pairing between the Giants and Kalani would not have been such a good fit. Um, I think a team that is not really close to contending this year and maybe next year should not be signing high price free agents on one-year deals. Uh, doesn't really serve a purpose. I think he's perfect for a team like the Titans or last year Seattle who are close. Um, and again, like, as you said, he had three sacks. He's never had a 10 sack season. Now, I mean, that's just an arbitrary double-digit number. He's had, I think, a couple of nines or nine and a half, and he's very good against the run. But we're not, you know, he's not, uh, you know, J.J. Watt in his prime. He's not Nick Bosa or Joey Bosa. He's he's an an A-minus defensive end, I think. Uh, and, and for the uh, and as the Giants, I wouldn't with an injury history, extensive injury history. So I think it made sense to not not go that route for the pass rush. I mean, Marcus Golden had 10 sacks last year. He's back. It's just going to be uh, relying on players who are drafted to do this to do it. So last year, O'Shane Zimenez, third-round pick, he was uh, picked with one of the picks we got in the Beckham trade. 
He played a little bit as a rookie, and he had four and a half sacks. If his playing time doubles and he has eight to nine sacks, that would be great. Now, I don't know if he will or won't. Uh, Lorenzo Carter, I thought he might do that last year. He was a third-round pick a few years ago. Last year was supposed to be his breakout year, and he didn't really do much. He had a couple sacks. So now in his third year, is he going to make the jump to eight sacks? I, I don't know. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. I really don't know. It's hard to uh, gauge. Uh, you know, None of these guys were amazing as rookies, so it's not like you're confident in them. So I, that's why I think they have the, the, the potential to, to be okay, but their floor, like if none of these guys reach their potential, then their floor is going to be pretty low. So you mentioned in Joe Judge we trust. A um, couple of stories out there that he's making the coaches run in terms of stuff. And, you know, just he seems to be like a major weirdo. But do you think he's the good type of weirdo that galvanizes a team? Or do you think he's the opposite, the bad type of weirdo or just like, where the players look at him like he's a, a psychopath and they just tune him out? Where are you at with him? At this point, I'm on the pro Joe Judge uh, side. I definitely don't think anyone's tuning him out. Um, a new coach like this, especially where it's a direct change in style from the prior coach, what always happens is, you know, if you start winning, that's the kind of coach where the players, you know, get really behind. Think Rex Ryan starting out with the Jets, you know, won immediately, and everyone loved him. Now, then you could go the other route and um, think about like Tom Coughlin's early years where I hard to say they weren't winning their first year. They didn't, but then they did make the playoffs a bunch of years, but they weren't winning, you know, a lot of games and players really disliked him and they started to tune him out and he basically had to change his ways. Uh, Rex Ryan, literally the same coach, but you start losing and what's fun and, you know, engaging becomes ridiculous and, and, you know, losing culture. So, that and that question is going to be decided based on how they play. I will, I don't think the Giants are like, well, if they don't win eight games, then the players are going to turn on Judge. I think, you know, being, he, I think he is more of a player's coach than people might think. Uh, that video of him doing that fumble recovery drill in the mud was great. He, I mean, it didn't seem like the players disliked him at all in that video. Uh, I think he is um, – I, I, it's kind of weird to say, but like a caring person uh, who wants to like know about the, the player's personal lives. He made a point in one of his interviews where, because the off season has been all zoom uh, before training camp, you got to see a lot more into the players, like home lives and their spouses and kids. And, I, and that just like, you know, when that happens, you kind of just forge that kind of relationship with your players. So I think, um, I think wins and losses will ultimately decide, you know, if his shtick is good or bad. Obviously, the Belichick coaching tree hasn't been too successful overall. Uh, there are a few that I think people overlook, like Mike Vrabel and the Titans, um, who's done a pretty good job. I forgot there's someone else recently. Oh, Bill O'Brien. I mean, people think he's an idiot, but the Texans have been competitive since he took over. So... You know, uh, there's that's a lot because uh, the division for so long was so bad. Okay, so it could be they have different reasons. They got Deshaun Watson, and you know they had JJ Watt, but uh, their coaches win, and some coaches lose, and 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 he's they've made the playoffs. So I, I, I'll tell you this: I'll take the Texans last five years over the Giants last five years. Well, that that goes without saying. 
So, so right now I'm pro judge. I like the way he talks. Uh, I like that. That also kind of sounds like a weird thing to say, but every word he says has a purpose. So if you just like watch him talk for two minutes, there's no wasted spaces between sentences. There's no ums. There's no answers that are just words that don't tell you anything like Shermer. Um, everything he says, there's a reason why he says it. And there's also already been a few things that I think go under the radar in terms of like Belichick's sneakiness that because it's Joe Judge and coming from New England, I automatically think that there's some hidden benefit behind what he's doing. Um, uh, let's just like for a quick example, the Giants had a couple had a scrimmage last week in the stadium um, on a Thursday, and NBC aired it on a Friday night, like an abridged version. And obviously, the team and Judge gets to uh, approve what's get what gets shown on TV um, for a you know public audience. And what they showed a, was they actually showed a fake punt, a fake field goal, and a direct snaps to Saquon. Now you would think like, why would they want any teams to see them practicing a fake punt? And because it's Joe judge from new England, I feel like he purposely let that air to make, you know, opponents think that they actually might do a fake punt and this formation, but they won't, or they would do a fake from a different formation. Like you start to think all these things. I, I give him the benefit of the doubt because I think he understands like the, the public, uh, you know, giving giving opponents things to think about i think that that's what it comes down to so you know until i'm proven wrong i I also like Shermer and i like mcadoo when they were hired so tells you what i know i like joe judge right now anybody anybody i don't know why i said i'm sorry anybody is better than pat Shermer. i i couldn't stand him after a lot i just couldn't stand him everything he said made me want to like tear my hair out like he was the worst. So for right now, yeah. I guess I'm pro yeah. Joe Judge too because I don't didn't do nearly as much research uh, about it as you did. Um, the one thing I am nervous about in terms of the coaching staff is is uh, Jason Garrett and just the stink that is Jason Garrett. Um, one last thing before we go yeah, on I to the rest. I of the hear league. you on that. One last thing before we go on to the rest of the league. Uh, ESPN wrote an article about uh, possible twenty five. Hundred yards from scrimmage for Saquon Barkley. We buy in this? I'd be very happy. Um, I think there's only a few players where that's even possible, and I think he is one of them. Uh, they, there have been a bunch of practice clips of him catching deep passes down the sideline. So, you know, if that gets into the playbook, that obviously adds to those total yards. I do think the Giants want to ride Saquon all game. And it seems like, well, obviously, but they, they haven't done that the last two years. Like, well, it's last they couldn't year, run kind block of anybody. It's not right, they, they couldn't run block. To, they couldn't run block. They couldn't run block. But there were games, Shermer's first year, where there was an Eagles game where I think Saquon had a monster first half and literally had five carries in the second half. Like, Shermer would sometimes get a little too pass happy. We know the Cowboys rode Zeke a lot with Jason Garrett. The only thing I would say would be, aside from injury, is if the Giants are just losing in a lot of games, that you have to start passing more. And that might limit games or limit Saquon's carries in some games where he only has 14 or 15 carries or even less. So I think that might be a hindrance. If the Giants are competitive in games and even winning more than you know people think, 
and he stays healthy, uh, 2,500 would definitely be possible. Well, uh, my philosophy in fantasy football, because I play auction because I'm a, I'm a real uh, fantasy football player, unlike you with your snake draft stuff. Um, <laughs> my, my thing was basically, I know, considering I did no research, I know going in that I was going to pay for one of two uh, running backs, either Saquon or McCaffrey, and obviously Saquon because I'm a Giants fan, that like every year the guys in my league know that like, all right, Aaron's going to win the bid for Saquon and let's just move on. And then I was going to, you know, get one of three quarterbacks. It was either going to be Mahomes, it was going to be Deshaun Watson, or it was going to be Russell Wilson. Like, that that was it. And then everything else uh, was kind of going to fall into place. Uh, so one last thing before moving on to the rest of the league. Win, win prediction for the Giants. What, what's the record going to be? You know, the schedule is also so difficult. They have, like, the second or third hardest schedule by opponents' Vegas win totals. So yeah, but that kind of goes out the window after week one. Well, I don't put a lot of. I stock mean, it's not that. based on last year's win totals. I think doing it based on the Vegas totals is a lot more. Oh, okay, well, that's so a little like, bit smarter than I take that back. So it's not like uh, you know, Tampa's not a five-win team. They're projected for whatever ten or eleven. So that, that that's what I'm saying based on that. Yeah, but going by last year makes no sense. Win total. I mean, the Vegas total six. Um, because I, I'm so optimistic, I'll say seven. But I also think there's a chance that you really start like 0-4. Oh, uh, they, you know, they play Pittsburgh, the Bears. They could beat the Bears, but they could lose easily. The Rams and the Niners. So 0-4 oh, is not out of the question. Um, and if you really think about where's like definite win possibilities, you have the Redskins twice. And I don't even know what else I would consider like a definite like 80% chance they win. Those might be the only two games they're favored in, honestly. So I, I'll say seven because and judge i trust and danny dimes all right well uh that you know i i didn't even look at their schedule to be totally honest so i'll uh i'll ride with you on that one seven and nine maybe eight and eight at best um the league as a whole all right so every year we see this year in and year out there are one to two playoff teams from each conference that fall out of the playoffs and one to two teams that make the jump for the afc and the NFC, who are your two, your one to two teams that are going to fall out, do you think? Or, or and I should say, in the reverse, make the jump. Yeah. So now, obviously, with seven teams, we're going to get. Makes one it a little different, I know. Than one falling out. But if I had to go with teams that I don't think will make it this year, I'll say Minnesota, I think. Uh, might not make the playoffs, and their defense is a little worse than it was last year. They lost a few players. They lost Diggs. Um, I'm not really sure who. I know they have a rookie receiver. They drafted kind of high, but I'm not really sure who else they added. I could just see them. Uh, although that would that would do good for your cousin's argument and be anti my cousin's argument. So maybe not Minnesota. They but, were. Um, they, they, by the way, they were the first NFC team on my list to to fall. Yeah. Yeah, I do that because you don't want Cousins to make the playoffs so badly. I'm a little I bit more see... pro Kirk Cousins. He's he's a friend of the Jews. I like Kirk Cousins now. I'm more. Yeah, pro although he had that Cousins weird uh, quote about COVID uh, of that. In the that was taken out of context. We all know the, yes, the I know, I know, garbage. That's funny though. Um, I can see Tennessee not making it. Ooh, um, I, they've gone. I, I think they've gone eight and eight three straight years. So either. I don't, I, they're not going to go 8-8 eight eight again. 
So either they're actually good and they're going to get up to 10 wins, or what I think is more likely to happen is Ryan Tannehill regresses to what, to closer to what he had been prior to last year. He has a major efficiency that seems unsustainable. The defense, defenses usually take a step back. I could just see them going seven and nine and not making the playoffs. And that would really only be a one game difference. Um, the Eagles, I would say would be another team that I hope doesn't make it. Uh, yep, I, that I, was my second team. That was my second team in the they, NFC. They just seem so injury riddled. Dallas, I think is clearly the better team between the two of them. The only thing about the Eagles is like last year, they were five and seven and that was supposed to be like them not making the playoffs. And I kept, thinking like every year it seems like the Eagles are written off at some point but they end up like winning their last four or winning three out of four and other teams lose and they like sneak in and that's exactly what happened um I I just think they won't get that this year um for whatever reason and that would be another team I think could drop out I had them too and for me the the third team that is a maybe so I think it's going to be between I'm actually going to cheat a little bit for mine uh, for me, it was going to be um, one of these two teams. I can see it happening either way. The Eagles, as you mentioned, are the Packers. I think the Packers can easily drop out of it, too. That wasn't a 13-win team last year. No, no. Yeah, that would not shock me. And then if, that, if they don't make the playoffs, that is a lot of Rodgers drama. Yeah, a lot of Rodgers drama, um, I, I, which is, and then uh, on the flip side for somebody who I think is going to make the jump, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. But for me the, in the AFC, it was, uh, Houston Texans, um, dropping out. I, I just, I don't see it this year and the, Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I had something wrong. Um, I had Houston also as another team on, on a list that I just didn't, uh, there, I didn't verbalize. Houston was the only AFC team I really had dropping. I almost had the Bills dropping out, but I, I actually think the Bills will be will be fine, especially with the extra oh, wild card team. Um, so yeah, it's only the Houston Texans. So, but what about the teams us sneaking in? Um, one or two teams that you think are going to sneak in that weren't in the so, playoffs last year? Yeah, so I don't like Dallas. I don't think is going to sneak in. I think they're going to outright win the division. Right. Um, and they didn't make it last year. They have to make the playoffs. They, I, I, it pains me to say this, their team is loaded on offense and defense. They got rid of Garrett, unfortunately, to us, and they hired, like, the premier available coach. Like, if the, the Eagles we just discussed are, like, nothing special, and then there's the Giants and the Redskins. If Dallas doesn't make the playoffs somehow, Jerry Jones might jump off the roof of AT&T Stadium. Like, they have to make the playoffs. So I put them in. Tampa is an obvious one that I don't need to get into for obvious reasons. I think they will make the playoffs this year. The Steelers, I think, are definitely – I liked them last year, um, and then Roethlisberger was out for the season basically the whole year. Steelers are good. They're legit. Their offense is good. Their defense is very good. Uh, those three are kind of easy ones, though. Uh, in terms of a, a maybe a under-the-radar one, I could see the Colts making the playoffs. Um, I'm no Phil Rivers fan, but I do think he's an upgrade over Brissett. Um, I think they, they added more players in the draft, obviously. They traded for um, the guy from the Niners, that defensive lineman, who's very good, just, uh, DeForest Buckner. Buckner. Um, yeah. And they got T.Y. Hilton was injured last year. 
I just think they have some guys coming back. I feel like I don't remember specifically, but I just feel like they lost a bunch of crazy games. Like they lost the Raiders at home, and they lost man like some missed kicks from Vinatieri. I think the Colts can make the playoffs. That division also, with especially both of us saying Houston may not make it. I said Tennessee, and then the Jaguars. Like Indy could win that division. I would not be shocked. So, yeah, I the teams that I had, that they'll make the jump back into the playoffs. Um, I mean, I had Dallas winning the division, but we'll get to them in terms of my uh, my bold predictions uh, with the Cowboys. But Dallas, I think the Rams get back into the playoffs. Um, I, I, I'm really high on Sean McVay. I think Goff is going to have a bounce back year. I, I just like the Rams. Tampa, as we mentioned before. Um, yeah, and uh, as for the uh, AFC, the Steelers we mentioned, I think we're going to do it. I, I I think the Browns make the playoffs this year. Uh, the Browns I had written down also with two question marks. I I think the Browns are going to do it. I think the Browns are going to do it this year. I, the, 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 instead of who, the, though? Because oh, are they going to overtake Baltimore or Pittsburgh? So I have... The three wild cards from, and we'll get into this in a second, the three wild cards from the uh, AFC would be the Steelers, the Browns, and the Bills. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. I guess I know who's winning the AFC East in your mind. You know, well, Miami. we'll start there because we might as well, you know, you, you just don't bet against the infrastructure, right? It's like with the Spurs in the NBA up until this year, but it was 21 years later or something, something ridiculous. You don't bet against the infrastructure. So who are your, uh, let's start with the AFC, um, you know, division winners. Who you, who you got? I have, uh, I have Buffalo. It's like too trendy of a pick that I don't want to take it. Um, but I do think actually Buffalo was like the trendy pick from once Brady left. So whenever that was until like a month ago, and I was like, oh, the Pats are done. They don't have anyone. And then they got Cam. And then people have seen that like Cam looks pretty good in practice. And I think the Patriots are starting to pick up steam again. I, I'd be curious to see if, if the odds have changed. Um, but I do have the Bills because I think the Bills are good. And they got Stephon Diggs. They didn't really lose anyone. And I just I think they're, they're just overall very solid across the board. Um, I have Pittsburgh in the AFC uh, North. Mm-hmm. The I like that. And the Chiefs. I like that. I may change mine to um, – I may change my uh, AFC North pick to the Steelers. So, in the East, I've got the Patriots. You know what? I'm going to change the NFC North. I'm going to go with the Steelers too. I, I see – and this will be one of my big, my big things is I just see major Lamar Jackson regression. I, I just – He's going to regress a little, um, at least statistic-wise, just historically – when someone has that type of season, they regress some some amount the next year. That doesn't mean they still can't be 10 and 6, 11 and 5. Um, I do think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to be very good. Yes, they will make the I, playoffs. I, 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 real, I, just, I think Pittsburgh could win 12 games. So I, I think those two, when they play each other, those are going to be great games. I don't know. Maybe it was the ringers' coverage of the NFL last year. They were blowing so much smoke up Lamar's ass. And it, I guess it's just my pushback. And then it became the whole, like, you know, racism thing. It was just absurd. It was absurd. I, I'm just talking about the football player, Lamar Jackson. I don't care about anything else. I just – I don't think he's as good as he was last year. 
I just don't. Well, I, I don't know what it is, but I just don't think he's as good as he showed on in the regular season last year. I think he's still good, but like I, I'm just not. I'm not buying quite buying Lamar Jackson to the level that everybody else is. That that's my whole rationale. Yeah, I mean, you have another year of film on him, defensive. Um, you know, can can better defend what they, what they do. So it's up to Baltimore to to you know continuously innovate their offense also. And um, we'll see. I mean, their defense is uh, – yeah, you're talking about Lamar specifically. Uh, he, he's probably not going to have he, – he's not going to win MVP, I don't think. So I don't see him repeating as MVP. They could just have a slight, a slight drop back. And the NFL 100 list was such a sham. The fact that they put him at number one was just garbage. Oh, I don't even – Just so garbage. Like, that. he's never – and will never be better than Patrick Mahomes is on Patrick Mahomes' worst day. So, like, enough with this. Like, I've had, I've, I've, I've so had it with like the Lamar love fest, and it's nothing against him. It's just maybe it's just the media's love fest to him. I just, I can't deal with it. Anyway, I got Tennessee winning the AFC South and Kansas City winning the West. Uh, what do you got in the NFC? Oh, and by the way, for me, Kansas City is going to be the one seed in the playoffs for the AFC. What say you? Um. Yeah, I'll go with that. I'll go with the Chiefs. Um, NFC, I, I haven't watched that top 100 show since 2015 when Eli snuck in at like 96. I knew then it was garbage. Um, NFC, uh, gonna, I mentioned it before. I think Dallas wins the East. I guess you're going to disagree, but I say the Packers win the North, uh, especially if I'm dropping Minnesota out. I don't, I'm not a believer in Chicago and Detroit, I don't think is good. So almost by default, Green Bay, and they may win that division at 10 and 6, 9 and 7. Um, I'm going to go with the Saints in the South. Saints, Bucks, similar to, to Raven Steelers, is going to be some great matchups. We start with that week one. Maybe that's the game. It'll take me week one watching Saints, Bucks, Brady, Breeze, and, and that's when I'll get really into football being back. And then in the NFC West, I have Seattle. Uh, two wild cards. Ah, two. It's three wild cards now. Three. Uh, San Francisco, Tampa, and it's funny. I had written this down for six teams, forgetting. Um, hmm. Tampa. Um, so that would be like Philly or Arizona. Ugh. I, I can't even think of a seventh team in the NFC. Uh, let me hear your list. So I've got Dallas winning the NFC East, as much as it pains me to say that. Um, I've yeah. got New Orleans in the south. I've got the Bears in the north. Bounce back Ooh. year for the Bears for some crazy reason. With Falls or with Trubisky playing most of the game? Uh, I, I think Trub- with Trubisky. I, I just think the Bears – there's something about the Bears that I liked last year. Like Trubisky can't be as bad. I, I just don't think – he physically can be as bad. I think, you know, a new coordinator in there doing different things. I, I, I like the Bears. And plus, I just don't like that division as a whole. But then again, you know, I I did. I'm a lot less prepared than I normally am. So please, just everybody out there is going to listen to this. Just understand that. And uh, I like Seattle in the <laughs> NFC West. I like Seattle to be the one seed. My three wild card teams are the Niners, the Rams, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So the Rams, right? That's the other team. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see the Rams making it as a wild card. Yep. I'm not buying. I'm not buying the Rams. The crazy, I guess yeah. you mentioned the Bears. Sorry about that. Um, no, no, it's, it's all not, good. I'm, like I'm not. Is, 
a lot better than the right. AFC top to bottom. Right. right. It was last year too. Right. The AFC Ah, it's hard to even say they're more top heavy with Tampa now, I feel like being uh a top tier team. But yeah, I mean we'll see. Uh yeah, guys guys getting uh, you know, Tom Brady gets COVID or or you know, someone crazy like that, you know, you're out for two or three games changes a lot. Although I guess shouldn't be really looked at differently than any injury. No no question about it. Um one quick thing before we go on to bold predictions. Uh the Cardinals are getting a lot of buzz, a lot of positive buzz from what I've been hearing. I mean, everybody loves Kyler Murray. He's like the flavor of the week. I, am I crazy for just, like, not buying it at all? Like, am I missing something? And I like Kyler Murray. He's super talented. But, like, it's not better than Deshaun Watson. Like, he's not – I mean, like, what are we talking about here? I don't think you're missing anything. I think there is a lot to like for Arizona from the co- from the coaching staff. Like you said, you like McVay. I kind of feel like uh, Kingsbury is like that first year McVay where he's, he's like the up and coming, really young offensive guru. I think Kyler Murray showed a lot as a rookie. He had his drawbacks just like Daniel Jones did, just like, you know, all rookies do. Um, they obviously got DeAndre Hopkins. So paid him a lot of money too. Addition. Paid him a lot, um, which they obviously were going to do that once they traded for him. But now you're talking about Kyler Murray, you know, Hopkins, Christian Kirk, who I like. I'll throw Fitz in there, even though he's not Fitz, but he still fits. Um, Kenyon Drake was really good last year for them after they got him. I overpaid, I think for, I overpaid for Drake in fantasy in my draft because I wasn't I, I would not shock me if, if Drake has a very, very good season. The offense should score a lot. He can catch. The, their offense is like a lot of three, four receivers, which I think is actually beneficial to running games. It, it takes defenders out of the box. Um, and if I think Arizona used like, I don't know if they're the team. Maybe it was Carolina, actually. They used like most of their draft picks on defense, just knowing that was their weakness. So they got um, Simmons, who I know you were intrigued with, I think, for the Giants. Um, I think the Cardinals could definitely be good. That division, though, has the Rams and the Niners and the Seahawks. So top to bottom, that division is, is probably the best in the NFL. I was just going to so say it's going to be tough. Not going to be, you know, if they don't make the playoffs, you might say, I told you so, and they might even go 6-10. and 10. But, you know, their division is very tough. If they do make the playoffs or, or win the division even, that would be very, very impressive. Yeah, no, I – for anybody saying I told you so, who's not backing the uh, the Cardinals, I mean they do play they do play in the best division in football, I think by a wide margin. So that's not that's kind of taking things out of context. But I just, you know, given that I just don't see them making this big jump just because of who they are going to be playing against. Yeah, you know, it's in, in their own division. So, okay, uh, two bold predictions because uh, we've been running a little long, which is great because we needed to catch up about the NFL. I needed to be educated by you about the NFL, specifically the Giants. So two bold predictions for this season. The bold predictions are always tough for me to – like I spend way too much time thinking about this and then end up with bad answers. So my one bold prediction, and I don't even know how bold it is, is that more referees end up testing positive for COVID during the season than players. 
Okay. I don't know if the data would even support that as likely. Um, but since no one's going to look it up, I, I feel comfortable putting it as a bold prediction. And my second one is, and I mentioned it before for the Giants, I do think by the end of the season, every team will be hosting some amount of fans uh, at their stadiums. I don't think we're going to go all season with some teams never having any. Uh, that's my hope anyway. It, it feels like it's trending that way. Um, it might be harder in domes, honestly, than, than outdoor stadiums, but I feel like three months from now, we will be able to have some fans at every game. I think Kansas City's going to start the season off with some fans. Oh, well, I know. A, bu- a bunch of teams are starting. Like my, I, it's crap. So that's so not a bold prediction. Like, no, well, that's bold because there's only like eight teams currently having fans, and most of them do not. Um, that's a fourth and, of a league. So, that's not bold. Uh, okay, okay, let me hear your bold predictions. I was trying to think of a better one. Dallas wins the division at 9-7. and seven. Only nine wins, not ten wins for Dallas. And the Browns make the playoffs. Well, okay, so I didn't want to double up a prior point with a bold prediction. So, like, if I say, you know, Pittsburgh is going to win the division, is that a bold prediction? I don't know. Fine, my bold prediction will be Daniel Jones leads the NFC in passing yards. Let's go. I'm for it. I'm so and for And unfortunately, it. it'll be from trailing in most games. Oh, God, Shy. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, Shy, this was wonderful as always. We're going to have to uh, hopefully watch uh, a Giants game together so we can cry sometime soon um, or celebrate <laughs> the greatness of Saquon Barkley. It's always good to catch up with you, man. Hopefully speak with you soon. Hopefully see you soon. All right. Yep. Yes. Yeah, All right. We got to get that barbecue happening. All right. Seriously. Seriously, we've been talking about it way too long, so it's got to happen sometime <laughs> sometime within the next two and a half weeks. All right, we'll try. All right, buddy. I'll speak to you later. Thanks so much for doing it. Speak to you soon. Yep. Bye. Thanks again to recurring guest Shy Elberger. Always a pleasure talking football with him. Hopefully the Giants aren't as bad as he predicts that they will be. But who knows? We'll see how the season plays out. That's episode 88 for the love of the game. Take us out. Wait, no shot. Money to land sitting in the range. Thinking how they spent $30 million on airplanes when his kids starving. Pockets going and Brenda still throwing babies in the garbage. I want to know what's going on like I hear Marvin. No school books. They use that wood to build coffins. Whenever I'm in the booth and I get exhausted, I think, what if Marie Baker got that abortion? I love you, my and I'm gon' shine on me till my heart stop. Go ahead, envy me. I'm Raps MVP, and I ain't going nowhere so you can get to know me. Need the love with the underdogs on top, and I'm gon' shine on me till my heart stop. Go ahead, envy me. I'm Raps MVP, and I ain't going nowhere so you can get to know me. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.